Slack Cells, and Cyberpunk Thrills. Well, it is Friday. Yet again, we are plowing through the month of December here. It is the 4th, and hopefully your November was good. Hopefully your turkey day was even better. And here we are talking tech, talking Microsoft, talking gaming, and let's just dive in. It was an interesting week, kind of across the board, because on one hand, there was just a massive like bombshell amount of news, um, but it was kind of isolated. And on the other hand, it was also a little bit quiet, and you'll see what I mean here. Like The massive bombshell that came out this week is that Salesforce is going to be buying up Slack for about 28 billion dollars uh some of that cash some of that stock uh either way you look at it 28 billion dollars is a massive amount now there's a couple of reasons why to bring up slack here because obviously slack and teams have been going head to head for a while and i honestly think you could probably argue that we would not have microsoft teams if it was not for slack the rise of that slack the modern messaging that it delivered and you know at the end of the day slack sold for 28 billion dollars like that's not chump change that's actually slightly more than microsoft paid for linkedin which was about 26.2 billion dollars there's a lot of history between salesforce and slack and microsoft uh because microsoft bought LinkedIn, obviously, Salesforce wanted LinkedIn and Microsoft outbid them. And so obviously Slack competes with Teams. And so now Slack owns or Slack or Salesforce now owns Slack. And so there you go. Uh, really interesting quote, though. And this is from Stuart Butterfield, the CEO of Slack, who has had a rich history of sort of just saying that Microsoft isn't relevant. Um, they, If you don't remember. If you don't remember, they actually took out an ad in the New York Times like the day that Teams was launched said, welcome to the party. And then Teams kind of just basically came and crushed them. Um, but that's the Microsoft way. I mean, that's that's Microsoft's bread and butter is productivity. So you got to be careful when you play with them. Uh, but what he said there, he says, there's a narrative that Slack doesn't have enterprise customers when the truth is Microsoft's products don't scale to the enterprise. He said that without irony, that there's a narrative that Slack doesn't have enterprise customers when Microsoft's products don't scale to the enterprise. Again, without irony, um, he firmly believes that Microsoft's products don't scale to the enterprise. And I'll just, I'll let you make a decision on whether or not you think that's true. But at the end of the day, there's 115 million daily users of Teams. And if it truly didn't scale to the enterprise, I don't know if that, I don't know if we'd be saying that. Uh, other big news that has come out this week is that Microsoft has begun testing Windows feature experience packs. Um, this is this is an interesting one because I truly believe that this is how Microsoft is going to be updating Windows with like newer modern features and maintaining them uh, for the longevity potentially of Windows. And, and you'll see what I mean here in a second because what, what Microsoft has been doing is they've been decoupling uh, applications and, and functions of Windows 10 from the OS itself. One of the most popular ones is Edge. Now, I don't know if necessarily Edge is going to be uh, serviced through these experience packs, but you've like other things like Snipping Tool and there's a bunch of other features like that that can now be serviced without major windows updates this i think this is going to become important for the serviceability or honestly the enterprise customers where microsoft can push out just one update per year right they they, they launch a big update in the fall like that's what we're hearing they're going to be doing in 2021 and then throughout the year they can actually update the apps through these experience packs so then you get a big you get a big release that's supported for 30 months or however long microsoft's going to do it i'm sure they're going to change that again and then throughout the year, they'll just keep doing service packs and that adds features and functionality that can easily be blocked at the enterprise level. So um, that's why I think it's honestly a big deal. Also, Microsoft is working on Android apps on Windows. Now, we, there's a lot of uncertainty around how this is going to work. One of the primary thing, primary reasons is that typically Android apps have to have a Google service tie-in, right? That's part of the features and requirements for building an app and putting it into the Google Play Store. So I don't 
it'd be interesting to see how Microsoft plays in this water. Do they have a deal with Google to allow Google app services uh, on Windows? I wouldn't hold my breath for that, but there has to be some sort of tie-in. They have to find that workaround and how they're going to make that work is still yet to be understood. Um, it's an interesting place to watch. Now, people might be saying, why would you ever want an Android app on Windows 10? That's a very fair question. And there's a parallel to obviously what Apple is doing with the M1 with Android apps on, on the desktop. But myself personally, here's a scenario that I would use Android apps on my desktop, a smart home right? That is a, a very weak spot in the Windows 10 ecosystem right now, being able to control things or being able to view things like even through like Nest, um, just Philips Hue and just my, my garage door. It would be nice to have little buttons on my desktop to be able to click that and open and close the garage door from the desktop. That would be nice. Now there are like really convoluted workarounds such as going through websites, pinning certain features and functions in the log. It's just not, it would not be nearly as clean and organized if we could truly just run apps on Windows 10. We will wait and see. This is a big deal and this is a big sort of risky bet for Microsoft. They've worked on things like this before. Project, I believe it was Astoria, uh, had this functionality on, on the Windows Phone side, but we will see. We will see how this shakes out and, and what Microsoft has uh, going up. Now, Microsoft also caught some backlash for their productivity score this week. So productivity score was intended to be a way for administration and management to understand that the technology adoption inside their organization but because of the way microsoft structured some of the features it was very easy to be like hey this looks like a spying tool on your users now um, especially with remote work, you could argue that maybe maybe management wants to see that if they're trying to micromanage. But I can tell you that if you work in an environment that extremely micromanages, it's typically not a healthy place to work. Anyways, uh, that being said, Microsoft did walk back. They were, they're going to anonymize some of the data, make it harder to pinpoint like explicitly which individual user is doing what and at what time. And so um, the, the backlash has worked and Microsoft has responded, uh, which is a good thing. If you use the Microsoft editor, this is actually somewhat of a big deal too for many people. It now supports multiple languages. Typically, um, if you use things like Grammarly or editor or, or editor up until this, like it supported one language. And so if you're fluent in multiple languages, write multiple languages, it could be a big pain in the butt uh, to, to use a tool like that, which I highly recommend. Uh, my personal workflow is that I typically write in words. So I get the, you know, the editor functionality, and then I paste in the browser where I get the Grammarly review. So I'm getting two sets of AI eyeballs all over my content, stealing my data. Uh, but either way, uh, that way you kind of get both worlds there. But so editor now works like that. And so that is actually going to be helpful for some people. And so other things happening, uh, Qualcomm unveiled this week, the Snapdragon 888. Yes, that is that is going to be the chip that is going to be powering all of the Android smartphones uh, for the foreseeable future. And by foreseeable future, I just mean 2021 until we probably get uh, the 889. I don't know what their next chip is going to be. Um, but here's the deal. Like Qualcomm, it's going to it's a good chip. They did a, got a lot of good stuff in the photography. And so basically what this means is that, hey, Android smartphones and flagships next year are going to be better. But the one thing that always comes out or not always or it's going to be always coming out after this now and you'll see where i'm going here in a second is their chips are being compared to the m1 obviously apple's chip and so it's interesting to watch this because i i don't quite know why they did the m1 and not so much like the a series 14 but it doesn't really matter arm is the future for a lot of mobile computing and or it might even be desktop computing too now, especially once Apple starts going down that route and forces the, the market to potentially follow just for that that marketing uh, prowess um Qualcomm is going to be in the spotlight and sometimes they're not winning. And the interesting thing here is that 
nobody else can buy an M1 chip or an A series 14 chip. So yes, it is interesting to watch Qualcomm chips get paired to this um, for the performance. And it pretty much just says, hey, Apple, because they're completely vertically and horizontally integrated effectively. Uh, and they also have, they don't have to worry about selling these chips. So they're not worried about margin on these chips. Um, has a distinct advantage, whereas Qualcomm makes the chips and then has to sell them for a profit to, you know, Samsung or whoever. Uh, it's just interesting to watch. But these comparisons are always going to happen, but at the end of the day, they, they don't really matter because nobody else can buy them. Like, if you want an M1, the only way you can do it is go buy an Apple device. Um, it's not like Samsung can go get an M1 chip themselves. And so Qualcomm will continue to absolutely be the dominant player in the mobile ARM segment, regardless of what Apple does, unless there's a titanic shift to more people buying Apple products, which I guess could happen. But there's always going to be that separate market, which Qualcomm will continue to dominate. Uh, the only other person who could potentially really challenge Qualcomm might be Nvidia in that space but they haven't really we haven't seen that materialize yet although there's, there's whispers that they are working on this stuff and so it's interesting just to watch how Snapdragon how Apple and how ARM is all sort of manifesting at the same time and so we will see how this this plays out over the long term I'm pretty bullish on ARM I think the biggest loser here is going to be Intel they're going to have to scramble and find a way not to remain relevant there's always going to be x86 workloads and there's always going to be Cases where I think Intel and AMD candidly have chipsets that are just going to be better than ARM for certain tasks. And so I think the the market reign of x86 is the be all end all solution is absolutely over and that arm is going to be the new you know king to sort of unseat if you will but it's not always going to be in the high end or, or niche workloads like we had seen previously so um it'll be it'll be interesting to watch all right on to the gaming news of the week so this week uh microspot microspot microsoft but smash.gg and i made the poor man's assumption that hey that was going to be an xbox property and as it turns out it's going to be on msn which explains why when i emailed the xbox pr people they didn't quite understand what was going on and so it wasn't until uh, i got in contact with some other people outside inside of microsoft that i learned that this is going to be part of msn they're going to be bringing this content into msn esports coverage i don't quite know if they're going to be fully like bringing on like the community platforming of esports events but here we are uh, Microsoft is buying Smash.gg. I honestly hope that they do integrate some of this into Xbox stuff just because it is a popular platform for or organizing, well, Smash tournaments, which is where Smash and Smash Brothers comes from. Anyways, uh, they bought Smash.gg, and there you go. Uh, the first big update to Xbox has rolled out, and the biggest thing you need to know about that is there's more dynamic backgrounds. That's sort of at least the thing that I was looking forward to. Uh, other interesting news, at least to me personally, in the gaming world is so Cyberpunk, uh, some people got their hands on the game early, just shipped out nothing malicious or anything like that. They got their hands on the game early, and they noticed that it was running at 60 FPS on the Series X, which, I mean, that's sort of the baseline. I think people, based on the assumptions and the headlines read this, were like disappointed that it only ran at 60 frames per second, which is kind of nuts uh, in itself. Now, there is a day one patch coming. Now, there was already a patch downloaded for some of those people, and, my, and Cyberpunk clearly said, hey, this is not the day one patch. So, before we make any assumptions about what is going on with Cyberpunk, let's wait until we get that day one patch. And candidly, the thing that I think is more interesting is how's the performance on the Series S? I think that is the bigger question, because 
Geez, if that thing runs at 60 FPS somehow on the Series S, I think that is a huge win for Microsoft. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't have any insider knowledge, but let's wait until that day one patch arrives and then see uh, the game should be launching here in a little less than a week. I think it's on the December 10th, so that's like six days from now. And I don't think there's going to be any more delays. Let's let's cross our fingers on that. Uh, on the Call of Duty side, uh, Activision put out some numbers today. Uh, 200 million people have 200 million people have played Call of Duty games this year, and Warzone now has over 85 million players. 85 million players. So. Uh, let's dive into the questions of the week, as I say, it's always my favorite part, and that is uh, no joke. Uh, SRLLX says, what is Mike, which Microsoft ugly sweater is your favorite? I, I personally think it's, uh, I was going to say Windows 95, but I think it's Windows XP, because I feel like, well, I did use Windows 95, I feel like I became more like a, a Windows like power user under the XP era, and so the Windows XP one that I have is probably uh, my favorite, I would think. Tourniquet says, uh, can we expect Project Latte to work on Windows 10 X2, or is that a Windows desktop only kind of project? So Project Latte is the Android apps on Windows. This is a really good question. My, my initial instinct was like, yes, it is going to work, but there's a major caveat that Windows 10X, like it was originally planned versus the Windows 10X that is actually shipping are, are effectively two different products now. And so they, they gutted a lot of sort of the underlying components that were in 10X. And so I, I, I thought that the, the apps were going to be coming through the Windows Store and that's how they were going to be getting on there. In that instance, I believe that they would. But I think it's still potentially too early to know because we honestly don't even know if Project Latte is actually going to materialize and ship on Windows 10. It's definitely being built, but whether or not it gets kicked out the door are two totally different things. Uh, Rubber Duck says, uh, concerning the Android apps on Windows Rumors, can Android apps run without a Google connection? This is what I was talking about, the Google Play services. Uh, it would be seem weird that to me that Microsoft would do this. They went through a lot of work throwing all the Google services out of Chromium Edge, so the browser. So you would need a Google services to run Android apps on Windows. Wouldn't that kind of undo what they did on Edge? So yes and no. I mean, I guess you got to think about it from more from a developer's perspective, right? If you want these developer apps to actually come to Windows 10 or run on Windows 10, they need, it, the process has to be like seamless. You can't ask, reasonably speaking, I don't think you can go back to developers and say like, hey, can you gut your app of Google services and then put it on Windows for us? It'll be great. I don't think that narrative or that pitch is going to work very well. So it effectively needs to be like, hey, just submit your app to the store and it'll run. And then Microsoft has to do some uh, black magic on the backside to make sure that it's one, Google's not going to be, you know, angry about it. And two, that the apps actually function and work. So that would be it. Uh, Easton says, what's the story behind Ed? I can, I don't know. You guys know how I am with names. Edoga 8. Uh, on YouTube comments, what you're saying at the beginning of the videos, I don't know, I do not know this individual, but he is always the like first person to comment, and he always takes the very first phrase I said and just pastes it in there. That's all he does. And for some reason, I find this hilarious, and he does it every single time, and I highly encourage him to keep doing that because I will keep faving his comment. Um, it's just a little meme. There, there's nothing... Um, there's no deeper meaning behind it. Uh, Sherlock Holmes says, uh, since Paul spoke about cloud gaming and game services like GeForce Now, that's what I currently use, I just wanted to ask what you think. Do you think, do you still own a gaming PC or do you just use an Xbox? So, I, I mean, define gaming PC. I have a PC upstairs that is absolutely more than capable of gaming and I do play Flight Simulator on it. So from that aspect, yes, but I play just about every other single game on my Series X. So um, I think these cloud services absolutely have a spot. I think they're more targeted towards potentially devices that don't have high-end GPUs. I think that is where they're going to find their, their sweet spot because anybody who wants the best and already has a gaming PC, I can't really see them using cloud services unless it's to try out a game before downloading and installing it. 
Uh, Eisner says, uh, still flying in flight sim at all. Yes, I am. Uh, he says, Asobo has done a pretty bad job with updates, seemingly breaking the sim with everything they put out. Uh, if you were in charge over there, what would you change? If I was in charge over there, that's that's a tough one. Um, I have seen some rough updates that have come out that every time they put something out. It always seems, it's the, the install process is always weird because it looks like it's done installing and then you go try to play and then it downloads like 60 gigs more of data. And so I don't know what I would change. I mean, obviously I would love to say, hey, uh, let's just not, you know, make this suck. That's the obvious statement, but I don't know if that is actually going to happen. Uh, by the way, if you haven't, you should download Fly-By-Wire mod for the A320NX, a pretty incredible open source freeware. I should take a look at that. I absolutely should. Uh, Brother Nod says, have you considered doing gaming headsets review? I was looking at the Adi's Penrose as a gaming uh, music plus Microsoft Teams all-in-one headset. It'd be great if you had input since you cover Teams and Xbox. So it's interesting i don't cover like i do hardware reviews but i don't do a ton of them because for one thing like headsets are really weird to review i'm not saying i'm not maybe i can reach out to these guys um and see because it does do all that different functionality um but it's an audio review like I, there's no they don't do well on video because it's like okay here's some audio review like there's nothing to show off um so Adi's, I believe, is a pretty decent manufacturer of audio equipment, and I believe that headset is quite expensive. Um, so I'll reach out to them, actually, and see if they will ship one over here. No idea if they will. Uh, and then we can go from there and see if you guys like those types of reviews and then just kind of keep pushing down them. Uh, Dark Clown says, does your dog dream of playing Xbox? Um, he might. If you haven't seen the new Microsoft Holiday commercial, uh, you should go take a look. It's all about dogs effectively being neglected by their owners and they go dream and then have a great time. And so some people got up in arms about it not being a happy commercial and other people just, like myself just honestly just didn't care. It's a commercial at the end of the day and they got people talking about it. And so that's probably a win for Microsoft. Uh, Mr. PKI says, you mentioned that you have listened to the all new Security Unlocked podcast from Microsoft. Which one did you like the most and why? So this is an interesting question. Uh, full and absolute transparency, Security Unlocked is a new Microsoft podcast and they are sponsoring another podcast that I do with Paul Throt every single day. And so they have sponsored that and so we are promoting it on that channel. That being said, this podcast is being hosted by a good friend of mine named Nick Fillingham. So Nick, uh, I've known Nick, I think for a decade, maybe longer than that. He's actually the reason why I have the email address, brad at outlook.com, because he helped launch outlook.com. And he's been trying to get a podcast up off the ground for a while now, and they finally did. And um, it's it's good. It's a technical it's a technical podcast. And so if you like security and you like to understand what Microsoft is doing, um, I've listened to every single episode. And so which one is my favorite? Well, you know, I'm going to dodge the question by not dodging it my my favorite thing about podcasts especially knowing like, like they're just getting up off the ground is listening to the first one and then listening i think they're up to six or seven now and listening how it changes because people there's always rapid changing of just the process and mentality and functionality of a podcast um, from the early days like if you go back and listen to this podcast from four years ago it's way different than it is today and so i enjoy watching that change um i usually just listen to this stuff in the morning it's pretty tech heavy it's a big knowledge dump of information um that can kind of help you start your day just a little bit better if you're especially if you're getting into security or just trying to understand the the thought process and mentality of how to think about certain things it's a good it's a good place to dive in Usman writes in with a question about his uh, about the Surface laptop and image retention. And so I'm going to try to sum it up here. He says, during the long-term review of the Book 2 15-inch or Book 3, did you find uh, this image retention or ghosting on your display or seen it in the newer Surface models like the Book 3? So this is the Surface Book 3 here, and I have not seen it on here. Where I have seen it is on the Surface Laptop 3, Surface Laptop 3, the AMD version. I have seen it there, and that is... 
I think one of the, the, the Surface Laptop 3 from AMD, I think is the lowest quality device Microsoft has put out um, since launching the Surface. Like it's, it's missing, it's missing on battery life, it's missing on performance, the display is not great. You got to jack it up into performance mode to not have the, the dynamic uh, contrast feature like take over your display, which is really annoying and which then kills the battery life. Like, um, so I have not personally seen it on here and I don't think I saw it on the old ones. What I, the only thing I can recommend to anybody who ever gets a service device is, you can only do it on Intel, I don't think you can do it on AMD easily, is to turn off that dynamic contrast. I cannot stand that feature. Um, if that honestly might get rid of some of that ghosting because that was the is biggest issue that I have had. Uh, Makataba says, uh, do you think it is a good idea to buy apps and games from the Microsoft Store? Uh, if the if the same game is available on Steam, should I buy it from there instead? Uh, it's a good question. So there's obviously content you can buy in the Microsoft Store. Microsoft has a sort of a weird history of sometimes killing products and features on the software side, aka Zune or Groove Music. Um, Personally, I would buy my games all from the same place. Like if I had a Steam library, I would probably buy them all on Steam just to make it easier to get because that's where all my games are. Then you only have to open one app and have it running in the background while you're playing. Um, so I think you're okay to buy a game from Microsoft. I don't think they're going to burn you like anybody. I really don't think they're going to like shut down gaming in the Microsoft store and then just say, hey, all those games you bought no longer run. Sorry, you're out a couple hundred dollars or whatever you spent. Um, I don't see them doing that. They would not take the PR hit and they also have a ton of money and so they can make good on their screw-ups, um, which they have shown in the past. So I would personally just buy them wherever all your games are. Will R says, hey Brad, in your book, you said the redesigned Surface Pro was dependent on Intel's 10 nanometer chips, but the Pro 7 has a 10 nanometer chips, and it's shipping their second na second gen nanometer, 10 nanometer chips in the Pro 8, yet still using the U same, they use roughly the same chassis as the Pro 3. What is going on here? So you're not wrong. So I believe the, the redesign from the Surface Pro was called Carmel and they've just been sitting on it. And so I don't know if they're not, if they're not changing the design because for multiple reasons, one, they're getting a lot of margin uh, on the current Surface Pro. It's continuing to sell. So they don't actually see a reason to do the redesign. The, uh, the other reason why I think is like, imagine if the Surface Pro looked exactly like the Surface Pro X, same exact design, and it looked maybe just a little bit thicker, maybe just a little bit thicker. Why would you buy the Surface Pro X? Uh, I, I already know that the Surface Pro X is not selling all that well, at least compared to other Surface products. And so that might be one of the reasons they're like, hey, look, you know, the, the enterprise is buying this thing in leaps and bounds still in the same current design. There's no need to change it. We're not selling the Surface Pro X. If we do change it, then we're not going to sell um, the, the traditional Surface Pro or the Pro X if it matches the Surface Pro. You guys get what I'm saying. Um, so they're just sitting on it. And so I've heard the exact same thing Zach has. Uh, look for the Surface Pro to launch in January. I think the Surface Laptop 4 might launch a little bit later than uh, than the Surface Pro 8. So just keep that in mind. Uh, talk about Vivaldi. I'm, I'm a fa I'm, I'm a fanboying on it right now. Same coverage on popular tech sites is always a good thing uh, in the browser market. It's just a different browser. Right? If you want to give a, uh, give them a shot, I'd give them a shot. I mean, everybody should be trying out different browsers. They're free. They're quite literally free. Um, so just keep that in mind. Asbat says, I know it's the early days, but Microsoft has been concerned uh, behind the scenes about losing the initial power narrative to major third-party titles that launch from the PR Blitz, most powerful console ever. Do you personally think it's something that they can recover from, or is it another 2013 disaster? I, it's definitely not a 2013 disaster. What he's referring to is Microsoft, yes, is absolutely concerned that hey, they pitched that they have the world's most powerful console and then some early launch titles came out and they actually outperformed uh, the Series X. And I can tell you that I'm very, 
mostly confident, I wasn't going to say extremely confident, mostly confident this is all directly related to DirectX 12U, uh, U meaning the ultimate, is that Microsoft was delayed getting that full feature set from AMD, which we'll talk about, which was brought up a, a couple times with the RDNA 2. They had to wait for that whole stack to be there before developers could learn to take care of the full, you know, get the full functionality. We already know on a paper basis that the Series X is more powerful. It's just going to take time for the software to mature. I believe the PS5 dev kit is much, you know, in terms of APIs and functionality, is much closer to that of the PS4 than, say, the Xbox One to the uh, Xbox Series X or S. The reason for that being is that Microsoft, again, remember, was trying to make the PC and the Xbox console much closer together. And by unifying across DirectX 12U, they, they get that functionality. The, the downside was that they had to wait for AMD to get the full hardware specs compatible and complete and in a place that was producing good enough yield to start making the consoles. And that was part of the delay for Microsoft getting it out the door. Is this going to, is this a, a you know, the quote unquote Xbox One TV narrative? Absolutely not. Because that was, the TV narrative was a derivative or, you know, it was, uh, it was like a side quest, if you will, to the console. It was a distraction. I couldn't think of the word distraction um, to what the primary console was designed to do. And so here we are. Uh, Microsoft just has, they just got to get things polished up. And I have a lot of confidence that they will be able to do that. Last question comes from Sherlock Holmes again. He says, so Brad, how is your plant doing in your TV cabinet? Because the heat coming from the Xbox Series X, that plant is not real. Uh, that's what you need to know. So the plant is absolutely fine. That's it for this week's folks. Um, we're heading into, you know, heading right up to the holiday season, the end of the year. Hopefully we'll have some more fun things to talk about next week. Hit that subscribe button. We'll catch all of you right back here next time.